The music of Kingston isn't necessarily what it used to be. Sound systems that used to send messages of peace, love, redemption, and social living now sometimes blast lyrics that preach misogyny, violence, and homophobia. Many lovers of reggae music fear that this art form, which has passed the history of the Jamaican people down each generation, is giving way to new subgenres, making Jamaican uh, music less historically and culturally relevant. Well, the Coalition to Preserve Reggae Music is a charitable organization that works to preserve the art form and its traditional message of healing and unity. The mission of the coalition is to raise the bar in the creation, development, promotion, and presentation of reggae. But how could this be done? What about freedom of speech, artistic creativity? What about the generation gap that always sees one generation passing judgment on the art form of another? Well, my guests this morning are the co-founders of the Coalition to Preserve Re Reggae Music, Carlisle McKetty and Sharon Gordon. They join me on the line from Brooklyn, New York, and good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. How is everything on the other side of the country? We're hot over here. <laughs> We're bracing ourselves for, you know, the, the remnants of uh, the hurricane coming off the East Coast. So. Yes. Well, uh, let's hope you uh, you make it through. We're going to have a, a dry heat here, but uh, it's uh, probably a little bit more tropical where, where you'll be. But uh, why don't we get started with uh, a very basic question? It might sound uh, simplistic, but I think it's important to set the context. It's the coalition to preserve reggae music. Before we uh, talk about the coalition and why it needs preserving, it's probably important to get an understanding of exactly what's meant by reggae music. So. Uh, if we could begin by defining reggae music and maybe its importance to the people of Jamaica, I think that would help listeners. Well, I think that um, one of the things that we say within the coalition to preserve reggae music is that reggae music really is the soundtrack to the movement of Ja people, meaning that the music has grown out of a culture of uh, struggle, and reflects, has historically reflected that struggle in, in, in the rhythm, in the lyrics, in every aspect of the music. And in, in terms of preserving reggae music, it is that, that aspect of the music that, that, that uh, is most uh, worthy of preservation. Sharon? In addition, I'd like to add that Carla likes to tell people that reggae is not just a beat. Um, you know, you, you, you can hear uh, in reggaeton, you can hear in jungle, um, the music that comes out of Asia, Punjabi, uh, and um, even in hip, rap and hip-hop, and of course dancehall, you will hear the drum and bass. But reggae is not just the drum and bass. It is the message. It is the syncopation, of course, of the drum, the bass, the, 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 and all the in instruments that are um, involved. But it's also the, the, the cadence of the singer's voice. It is the message. It is the rhythmic arrangement, the way it's done, the, that offbeat, that it is the, that, <clears throat> that is there. When I listen to a group like Groundation that comes from the, the West Coast, when they play reggae, I feel good because I said, yes, they've got it. That is roots reggae music. But then I'll hear another group coming out of, um, let's say, uh, Brooklyn, New York, playing. And it's not necessarily reggae, but it's, 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 it's music that has reggae, um, reggae 
inflections in there, Carlisle. So that is important for people to understand that it's more than just the drum and bass um, to make it reggae music. So we could actually maybe make a distinction between reggae and reggae music. That reggae has <laughs> has value uh, separate from uh, the music, whether it's drum and bass, whether it's it's electronic, uh, you know, some of the more contemporary electronic beats, or as you said, reggaeton or things of that nature. Would that be a fair thing to say, that there's reggae and then there's reggae music? I would say there's reggae and then there's reggae-inspired music. Right. That's okay. what we would say. So it's almost as if reggae is more of, of a, a philosophy or, or a, 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 a history of a, of a people and a culture. It, that, that's an element of it. And, and if that element is missing, then it is no longer reggae music. It, it becomes reggae-inspired music mm -hmm. because it, it has some of the attributes, but not all of the key ingredients. Exactly. It's like you're making, it's like you're making beef stew. You know, but if there's no beef in there, then it's not beef stew. It's stew, but you've taken the beef out. Which for for vegetarians and vegans out there might be good, but that's so. Uh... Let me use a different. <laughs> let me use a different example. Just just teasing you. <laughs> if you're making ital stew and you put beef in it, then it's not ital stew. That's much better. <laughs> hey, we that's ha better. we had lunch together. You should know. So uh... exactly. Wow, I used the wrong analogy. <laughs> Just, <laughs> just, yeah, absolutely. You get it. You just, get it. <laughs> just teasing you. So uh, if you're just joining us, we're speaking to uh, Sharon and Carlisle, the co-founders of the Coalition to Preserve Reggae Music. So what is the history then of the coalition? When did, uh, when did you decide that uh, something was changing about the tradition uh, and those key ingredients, beef or tofu or whatever we want to call it, of reggae music? <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, sometimes it takes a, a, a momentous event to trigger things. And in, in the case of the Coalition to Preserve Reggae Music, well, first of all, we need to understand that there is a very uh, unique relationship between reggae, Rasta, Selassie, Emperor Haile Selassie, and Jamaica, and that the Rastafarian movement um, is really tied into the coming forth of reggae music and so it was in 19 I'm sorry 2005 in honor of the 75th anniversary of the coronation, coronation of his imperial majesty majesty emperor Hila Selassie that we looked at much of this and decided to um, put this coalition together to understand that relationship and to preserve it and it was at a time as well um, when the music was in a downward spiral. There was so much happening um, out there in the musical landscape that it became troubling to, and I don't want to say purist, uh, because I don't want to offend anyone, but to some purists and to just some practitioners of the music who, for example, we would run into folks who are musicians who would normally have been studio musicians or been on the road backing, you know, your favorite artists, and they were basically not getting any work um, because the need for live musicians um, just seemed to be dissipating. And then we would run into people who would go to concerts, and they would beg and plead to us, Sharon and Carlisle, can you help? I mean, have you been to such and such a show? Did you hear the vulgar lyrics that were being spewed? And just different um, incidents like that. People just kept complaining, and we could hear that there was 
a, a hunger, a need to 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 elevate this this message music that really was food for the soul, and people were were missing that, and so it was all those elements coming together. Um, we. T- you know, sat sat back. We spoke to friends and loved ones and practitioners, and when we analyzed all the elements that were in question, that were missing, or that people just felt were not being celebrated, we said, you know, we've got to do something about this. And how do we tie it all together to make it something that people can bite into and get a full understanding of? And it came in the birth of the Coalition to Preserve Reggae Music. So when we talk about some of the vulgarity in uh, in reggae music, and we should probably, you know, in a minute, talk about maybe some of the subgenres, so we don't just speak of all reggae exactly. music. Exactly, you a, know, I was about. Yes, to. <laughs> so so we'll we'll get to that. But when okay. when we um, when we talk about the vulgarity, people often refer to it as slackness. Could you yes. define slackness and? Um, why did it arise uh, at the time that it did? I mean, I've read some cultural histories of, of the rise of slackness. I'm curious as to what your take is on that. Well, one of the things that slackness has always been there. It's one of the first things I want to say to people. And that's what distinguished reggae from what happened in the dance hall. And here goes the distinction. Back in the day, a lot of the music that we are now embracing, I'm going to use Bob Marley, for example, or Icon, was not played on the radio stations in Jamaica because we've come out of a colonial past, as you know. And so that music was music of the ghetto, the music of the mass, and, and, and this was just not embraced by the upper echelon of society. So this music could not be played. So there had to be a place for this music to be played, and this place was called the dance hall. So you would go to a dance hall, and you know when you listen to Bunny Whaler's um, song, um, um, Ballroom Floor or Roots Rock Reggae, he sings about being in the dance hall. When you go to the dance hall, what would happen in the dance hall? Would stay in the dance hall. In other words, you would go to the dance hall and you would have someone like um, you, Roy, the father of toasting, um, basically entertaining the audience between the selectors. You know, they had the two turntables. Well, there was one turntable at first, and so you needed to entertain the audience. And so Count Machuki and King Stitch and people like that, these are some legendary toasters, would do just that. They would entertain on the microphone the audience while the selector would get the next song ready. What would happen, they became like griots. They would tell the stories of what was happening in in the neighborhood that week or what big news if someone was murdered, something happened, whatever. They would become the source of that information. That evolved. And so what happened was you had a time when, like any other culture, um, there was always uh, an underbelly to it. And so when you toasted and used some vulgar lyrics, it would entertain folk. And that vulgarity started to creep into the live presentations in the dance hall. Because we must remember that these were not recorded at the time. These were live um, presentations. The vulgarity crept in because a man would tell a woman, oh, our bottom is big. So let's start with something as simple as that. 
or a man would tell a woman would tell a man well you don't have anything to satisfy me meaning the size of his organ you follow what i'm saying and sure. those became um more light banter as the generations um grew up and as the art form began to take on different nuances the vulgarity really came in and i'm going to use one dj as a as, a, as an example I'm not saying that it started with him. I'm saying he's the person that really catapulted slackness, and his name is Yellow Man. And how did Yellow Man come to be the one? Well, Bob Marley had just died, you see, and Roots Reggae Music, which was tied into a movement of Ja people at the time when Jamaica was seeing a revolution underground under the leadership of Prime Minister Michael Manley, this music, which was a music that was uplifting the masses, roots reggae music, enlightening them about their African history and their need to be empowered, was a music that needed to be done away with. Because if the masses became empowered, then they would challenge the status quo and they would challenge leadership. So there was a concerted effort to basically suppress that sound, suppress that message, and give rise to a different sound and a different message. And at the time, what was happening, we have to now tie in the, 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 the sound system aspect of it now, became the norm. People, the sound systems were traveling and have always traveled all over the island, but now they were really moving around the island and you had your tune turntables and now you had DJs, they weren't called toasters anymore, who would travel with the sound systems. Now many of them started recording because there was money in recording the music. So when someone like a General Echo who was one of the slackest DJs that we had was out there. He wasn't really being recorded. He was in the dance hall making his toast. But then when you had a yellow man come in right after the death of Bob, and he's elevated by the Ministry of um, Youth and, and what have you, and other because he was an albino, it was a novelty to see this albino who had come out of very poor and you know, challenged circumstances, embraced this, 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 this art form and was so good at it, then they just allowed him to, to run rampant. And this, this, this nastiness or this slackness just took over. And I have to say that Yellow Man had definitely begat a Shabarang, so we can, you know, say all who he begat because the slackness just took it took root, it took traction, and next thing you know, people loved it. They started celebrating it. It was vulgarity at its best. It was comedy. It was all of that. And this is how slackness just really got elevated to becoming, quote-unquote, I don't want to say the norm, but... Or as we say in Jamaica, broke out. It broke out. It broke out. So wherein it was contained in a space... Um, Professor Jared, you, you know, it then became something that was seeping out of that space and permeating, not on the airwaves as yet, but permeating in the mobile dances that were, 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 you know, sound systems that were traveling all over the island. And so what was happening in Kingston was then duplicated in, let's say, Montego Bay or over in St. Anne because the sound system, you, you would pack up your sound system and your DJs on the truck and they would go. And so this, this is just something that took off. Hmm. 
want to remind listeners to tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Just Us, and we're talking about efforts to preserve <coughs> reggae music. And uh, we're speaking with Sharon and Carlisle, the co-founders. Uh, very great uh, and thorough history um, of the the rise of slackness. It seems that today, when we talk about uh, contemporary dance hall, uh, it is uh, a genre that too often is filled with uh, misogyny, violence, and uh, indeed homophobia. There's uh, mm -hmm. certainly a lot of concern in uh, Europe, in Canada, and in uh, here in the states over the uh, the so-called batiman or chichiman type of uh, lyrics and songs. Can you uh, tell our listeners a bit about some of this controversy? Well, since I've been speaking so much, I probably should allow Carlisle to jump in here for a little bit, and I'll... But you're stepping into... That's my passionate era, but Carlisle, you want to... Well, I, I'll, I'm, I'm going to let Sharon speak on it, because as she says, it's her <laughs> passionate area. But um, it's just... Uh, and really, the elevation of what Sharon just ex expressed in terms of the... the uh, vulgar lyrics not being contained, it just went to the next level. And it, 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 it really got um, tapped into popular culture. Right. <clears throat> and again, going back to the whole Rastafarian movement and the influence of Rastafari on uh, uh, reggae music, understanding that uh, within Rastafari culture, homosexuality is simply not accepted, it became cute, really, for some artists to exploit that in in in, in the music, right? To, Never to get a cheap forward, as right. as, as we put it. Right. Not not thinking of the various ramifications outside of the, the Jamaican context, and so you find the the culture a culture clash really, mm -hmm. where something that was uh, looked well really just condoned within one context not being condoned within another. And, and one of the things that Carlisle just touched on is very important that people need to understand because Rastas have been given a bad name because of those who have been tied up their heads and called themselves Bubble or locked their hair and said they're Rastas. Rastas, has been given a, Rastas have been given a very bad name because of that. As a matter of fact, let me, I'm going to jump around just a little bit, but just to put things in context, there was just a recent conference at the University of the West Indies about Rastafari mm -hmm. and where they are 60 years, 50, 50 years rather, after the report on Rastafari came out. Now, there was a report on Rastafari that came out some 50 years ago, and there were certain um, suggestions, recommendations. recommendations that were made, and this, this conference has taken the report and looked at it and said, well, all these recommendations were made and nothing was done. What happened was the Rastafarian movement was becoming very popular, uh, at the time, 50 years ago, that would be seen as popular culture. It was um, really taken on a groundswell, so to speak. And we had the academics, academia, people in academia looking at this movement and saying, wait a minute, um, what are these guys talking about? Back to Africa, look to the East for a king, because, you know, they would take some of the teachings of Marcus Garvey or Jamaica's first national hero, and that became part of the lyrics of their songs, uh, as well as songs about oppression and how do we overthrow Babylon and that kind of thing. Never in that time, in that space, did you ever have a Rasta man um, singing any songs about someone's sexuality. It just would never happen. That is not something that they would even 
consider. They were about themselves and how they would, how could they ameliorate their situation and, and get back to Africa. Like a lot of older Rastabed will say, um, we just want to get back to Africa. What happened during that time is that the, with the help of the government, that was suppressed. And this, uh, we like to call it New Age Rasta, came in and f- stepped in. And this New Age Rasta then danced between the dance hall and Roots Reggae. I, ahead, I think we can, we, can, we can say that the suppression of roots reggae that, that, that um, led to the rise of a yellow man, mm-hmm. that same suppression of roots reggae, uh, was all, there was also a suppression of the Rastafari movement. Exactly. And, and because that, that progressiveness of roots reggae was tied to mm-hmm. the Rastafari mm-hmm. movement and, mm-hmm. and the, the movement to to embrace a new worldview, yes, right. which is what Rastafari represents. And if, if everything I've read uh, holds true, I mean, uh, the movement was, was threatening because it, you know, it had allegiance to something other than, you know, at first the colonial government and then the new there government, go. which still maintained the, the kind of class and race hierarchy. You that, got it. You got it. That's it. Which so, is why 50 years ago, mm-hmm. the, the government... Mm-hmm. commissioned the study of. by the University of the West Indies, mm-hmm. a, a, a study which recommended that the government become involved in the whole uh, issue of repatriation, which, of course, never happened. Never happened. And to establish schools and, 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 and to carve out um, plots of land and, and set up housing and, and, that, and, and to set up uh, craft and trade schools for these young people. It never happened. So what happened as a result is that was then pushed underground. Because this movement of Rastafari was seen as threatening, as you just said, to the status, to the status quo, quo mm-hmm. as was roots reggae music. Absolutely. And That's so the suppression of roots reggae music and the suppression of Rastafari went hand in hand, mm-hmm. and the rise of slackness and vulgarity, and vulgarity, mm-hmm. which has and 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 the rise of of the, the violence the in the music, violence in the music, mm-hmm. and what we see today. Mm-hmm was really aided and abetted by the establishment yes. as an alternative to the progressive movement of roots reggae music Absolutely. and Rastafari. Absolutely. So it. it seems then that uh, a music that, you know, preached at one point, you know, social living and, uh, yes. or, you know, what we would call uh, socialism or, and, and it was a clear political statement during, during an election. Um, and uh, you know songs that uh, that preached you know one love and, and mm-hmm. peace and harmony have uh, you know become you know club culture I guess is what we would call it here exactly. in the states where it's just about you know uh, emphasizing one's sexual prowess emphasizing one's machismo and mm-hmm. and you know the the whole the whole gangster kind of thing well yes. then how does a coalition preserve <laughs> reggae music that's a that's that's a tough uh that's a tough call you guys have so uh talk about maybe some of the forums that you've held and some of the the efforts that you do to preserve reggae music well you know you i think you referenced uh not directly but i think you referenced dancehall as a subgenre of mm-hmm. reggae music some of us would disagree with that <laughs> Explain. That's, wait, wait, wait. That's a, that's a whole nother three days of conversation. <laughs> uh, and, and so we, we actually started a, a series of forums we call the Community Conversation Series. And the very first forum that we held 
the title of that forum was Could Dancehall Be the Ruination of Reggae? And by extension, the Jamaica brand. Okay? People were offended. Explain. People were offended. Could dancehall, what are you talking about dancehall being the ruination of reggae music? Dancehall and reggae is the same and, thing. Mm-hmm. We heard a lot of that. And so that, that, that sort of set the tone for the kinds of forums that we've been doing uh, throughout the, the, the Northeast, actually. Um, because we have to begin to challenge the community to look at the issue, mm-hmm. the, the core values of reggae music, and what is now masquerading itself as a subgenre of reggae music, and, and, and determine if, if, it, if it is a positive thing to, to celebrate or something to, to really understand and, and put in its proper context. And those are the kind of things that we've been doing, just forums. It's, we, we've become real advocates um, for Roots Reggae and for preserving Roots Reggae and the message of Roots Reggae. And I must tell you that um, we have seen some changes. Um, we should claim them. We have to claim them. For example, the broadcast, one of the things that really troubled us is the availability of these slack lyrics, these violent lyrics, over the airwaves. Um, if you, whether you're in the States, because, you know, wherever Jamaicans travel, they take their music with them. And so in the States, we saw it happening, and it was happening in Jamaica, where you would turn the radio on and you would hear music that was definitely not fit for airplay. This was music that's supposed to be played in, like you said, in the club, in the dance. Well, this music was now permeating the airwaves and really infecting and affecting the minds of young people. And they, and we are seeing this, we're seeing this um, manifest itself in the way the, the culture has just totally taken on a, a very decadent, um, uh, what would you say, a very decadent way about it. If, if the pants is, it's one thing to have the pants dropping, but it's another thing to have the young girls, you know, totally exposed and feeling that it's okay or feeling that, let's look at a song like Rompin' Shop, which is literally like a manual to how young girls should go out there and young boys and have sex and engage in, in you know, sex in a very vulgar way, as a matter of fact. And so these things were just permeating the airwaves and the, the videos were all over the, the stations. And the Broadcasting Commission has finally put its foot down and said, enough. It should be interesting to note that, that when we raised the question of could dancehall be the ruination of reggae and by extension the Jamaica brand, we raised the question to the Jamaican tourist minister, minister Edmund Bartlett, who mm-hmm. we thought was the brand manager for Jamaica. And his response to us was shocking. He felt like, hey, oh, no, dancehall is, you know, right on, and all <laughs> we need to do is figure out how to monetize, monetize it. it. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward to... to a year, year later, mm-hmm. and he's now uh, <laughs> concerned about the Drake video <laughs> with Movado as the as the as the Don, whose girl then kills Drake in the video. Hmm. Now he's upset. Artists have got to take responsibility for the images that they're putting out there about Jamaica. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Minister. We tried to alert you to this problem in 2008. Now, how was it 2008? Nine. 2009, I'm sorry. Now, and you shrugged your shoulders. Sure. Uh, how do you answer, uh, or, or have you had to answer, uh, claims that uh, what you're trying to do is um, curtail 
freedom of speech or artistic creativity or, or be police the, the or lyric be police, police. Lyric police. <laughs> or that you know this is just i mean i remember i grew up and i was listening to some heavy metal and uh older generation said you know that's not rock and roll that's just noise and that you know you want rock and roll the beatles or you know chuck berry or you know so how do you answer you know when you when you make the claim i mean when people ask me to define dance hall the best thing that i could do is call it a subgenre or a spin-off of reggae mm. i do try to try to make that distinction but mm-hmm. it certainly uses the classic uh, you know, rhythms from Studio One and things of that nature, albeit, you know, tweaked and, and filtered through uh, electronics and so forth. So how do you, how do you walk that tightrope? Well, it's not such a tightrope because is. we really do not uh, advocate uh, um, suppressing the creation of, of dancehall music. As, as Sharon pointed out earlier, Dancehall music has been with us for a long time. However, it used to be that what happened in the dance hall stayed in the, in dance, the dance hall. And it was for big people, adults. Now, you know? <laughs> even, even in here in the United States, I would say the mecca of free speech, mm-hmm. you know, there are those seven words that you can't broadcast on, on the radio because there just is a point at which a line is drawn. And so... All we are suggesting is that a line needs to be drawn mm-hmm. as to what permeates the airwaves mm-hmm. and is allowed to, to, to run rampant uh, as opposed to what is contained in the appropriate space. Exactly. It's about the appropriate space. And, and, and whenever anyone tries to challenge us and we, we present it to them in that manner, they definitely have to back up and say, well, you have a point there. We know we have a point there because that's how we have um, civil society. If not, we'll be living in chaos, uh, complete decadence. We've, we've got to set up boundaries. Um, young people don't have the, the, the years of experience to be able to analyze clearly some of the stuff that is being fed to them. And so you find them regurgitating this and, and living this. We experience this, you know, uh, well, your listeners don't know, but you know we do a lot of work with, with a lot of young people. And it is amazing to us when we are able to, to engage them, the things they take for granted and the things they don't know. They really don't know. And so for us, this is about educating as well as um, providing outlets for a lot of these musicians and young people because they are very creative. But how do we channel this creative energy? And ultimately, our work is about providing information mm-hmm. to the consumers of this music, right. so they can make an informed decision about it. So, in uh, we just have a couple minutes left. Are there artists, uh, contemporary reggae artists today, that you think are carrying the tradition of uh, Bob Marley and so forth? I know you mentioned uh, Groundation earlier. Are there other acts that you would recommend to listeners? Absolutely. There, there are a bunch of great acts out there that are doing. One of the things that we like to say is that reggae is Jamaica's gift to to the the world. world. And right off the bat, I would I would I would um, introduce a group that is not out of Jamaica, but um, Midnight. Yes, out of uh, of Saint Croix. Saint Croix, Virgin Islands, doing amazing work. Exactly. Doing amazing. Groundation out of out of the West Coast is is non-Jamaicans doing amazing work. We have. 
Tajwiks and Adawa out of St. Lucia doing serious roots reggae music. We have, um, amongst Jamaicans, we have young people. I, I see Queen Africa trying her best to, to, to toe the line between, you know, keeping it real, as, as, as she likes to say, and, and um, presenting roots reggae uh, in a contemporary manner. I see... I think a young singer-songwriter, Dwayne Stevens, Dwayne Stevens is doing doesn't an get a lot of exposure, work. but oh. he's doing a lot of work in the tradition of Bob Marley. Writing it, writing the music, and, and presenting it as well. You have um, Taurus Riley, who's been celebrated right now for his efforts. He is coming from a lineage of, of that it speaks to that. Jimmy Riley is his father, and so he is able to get, and, and he's under the tutelage of Dean Fraser, so he's really getting... Um, serious guidance and i and, had an and, opportunity and to see him perform uh earlier this year and he was uh he was great it, there you go so and you can see the difference in his performance because again those who are tutoring him who is mentoring him and when you look at who his mentors are you say aha it's no surprise that he is coming out with this kind of stuff there's a youngster he's doing more and with him, I don't even know if it's roots reggae, Carlisle, but the young gentleman we were just introduced to, uh, Romain Virgo. Now here's a youngster. He's not necessarily. He's doing it all. He's doing lovers rock. He's doing roots reggae. But here is a youngster who realized that, hey, I can do this, and he has tapped into a void because there is a void there. If you're coming with, with quality music, people are going to love you and they're going to want it. And he has tapped into that, and I say kudos to him. I also have to say kudos to Damian Marley, who has um, teamed up with Nas to produce an album called Distant Relatives, because that's what we all are. And if you listen to Distant Relatives, it's taking the music now. So what, what Damian Nas has said is, okay, so it's not just roots reggae, and it's not, we're taking it back to the motherland where the drums and the sounds that come out of the motherland is what has basically influenced. And it also is an acknowledgment of the relationship uh, between reggae and, and uh, hip-hop hip -hop music. Mm -hmm. So the, the distant relatives really speaks to you know, Wonderful the, the relationship of the music. Mm -hmm. And I would say him and Stephen are doing great work. Stephen's album, the last album, Mind Control, is amazing. And, and we continue to look at, you know, works like that. So, so yes, the tradition of roots reggae music is still alive. On. Great. It's still alive. And we will continue to push for it. And you know we do our annual event every year where we celebrate that because we feel that there needs to be, you know, a celebration then for people to feel good and come out and say, yes, I'm a part of this movement. And so we do an event, um, again, tying in the unique relationship between reggae, Rasta, Selassie, and Jamaica. We do a, a, an event every year around the time of the coronation called Reggae Culture Salute, where the, where the, the salute is the culture. We're, we're saluting the culture. And every year we try to present folk with quality roots reggae practitioners in a manner that speaks to people's sensibility about the culture and those who are just curious. You know, we have a lot of curiosity seekers out there. Last year we had a bunch of folks coming in from Hawaii who just, there's a lot of, there's a serious roots reggae contingent in Hawaii. And they came in because they said, the Mighty Diamonds were going to be here. We wanted to hear them, and they wound up having a wonderful experience. And this, so and this takes place where? 
It, this year it's taking place on October 30, that's 3-0, at uh, the Nazareth Regional High School Performance Center. That's in Brooklyn, New York. Um, on October 30th at 8 o'clock. As a matter of fact, what we do, you would love to know, is we the show is really family-friendly. It's international and intergenerational. We start off with a movie, and this year we have been given the privilege to, to showcase Holding On to Ja, um, a movie a movie that really speaks to that unique relationship that we spoke about between the music and his majesty. And then we also have Junior Wedderburn with Asian Vibrations doing a Naya Bingi session to teach the youth and those folks who are not familiar who just don't know the importance of the drums and how the drums um, play this important role in the music. And then we go into our live performances. So it's just a wonderful evening of, of music and, and it's, it's a multimedia presentation, and we like to say to folks, bring the family and bring grandma and grandpa there you while go. you're coming. And bring the love. <laughs> well, we are just, just about out of time, but if you could give our listeners some information, where can they turn if they want to find more about the coalition? You could get more information. The coalition is actually in the process of uh, launching its new website. So in the interim, you can get information at the tsoproductions.com website. T for Tom, S for Sam, O for Oscar. Tsoproductions.com. And if they... Mm -hmm. And you're also on Facebook. We're also on Facebook. The Coalition to Preserve Reggae is on Facebook. We also have two programs that we do here in New York. Well, it's on internet radio called E2, the letter E, the number two, on air, dot com. And this evening, we do a program called Real Talk, where we talk about what's happening with the music, with the culture. And then on Saturdays, I, I do a program called Reggae Calling, where we, just like the name says, we are calling out to people all over the world to embrace this sound. And that's on E2 on air dot com. And folks can just Google Coalition to preserve reggae. Um, tonight, on Thursday, we're on New York Time from 7 p.m. until 10. And on Saturdays, Reggae Calling is on from, uh, what time am I on? From 6 p.m. <laughs> until 9 p.m. But we're there. We have, you know, um, we're really working on getting the site up. Folks have been working with us to get that done. And as soon as that is done, they'll know from the Facebook page and they'll know from um, the TSO Productions um, page. So we just want folks to support us. We're a non-for-profit 501 We'll share, well, Sharon and Carlisle, I want to thank you mm -hmm. so much for joining us this morning. It is the Coalition to Preserve Reggae Music. Great to finally talk to you, and uh, we'll have to have you both back on again real soon. Promise. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks so much, and that's tsoproductions.com, or check them out on Facebook. Uh, have thank a wonderful you. rest of your day. You too. And we're gonna go Wonderful. out. And we're gonna go out with some Romaine Virgo. So uh, this is KUCI in there Irvine. You go. There you go. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. bye, -bye.